you may have heard me say before that in our Catholic faith, the tradition is rich, it is deep, there is no other like it. But it's confusing for a lot of people, maybe overwhelming for a lot of people, how many devotions we have. We have devotions to hundreds, thousands of saints. We have devotions to the shoulder wound of Christ, or as one of our priests says, the toenail of St. Anthony, whatever it might be. We have all these devotions. They are beautiful. They are rich. But it can become overwhelming because you can't possibly do all of them that require 10 Hail Marys or five Our Fathers or to do this or that. You can't do them all. So don't get intimidated, I always say. I say that if you really want to encompass our entire faith, you can narrow it down to the big four devotions. You may have heard me say this before. It starts with the Sacred Heart. And the Sacred Heart is today, the first Fridays. This is the tradition of the Sacred Heart. It all comes from the Sacred Heart. Now, the Sacred Heart of Jesus was given to us, the Church, as a sign of his sacred humanity. The sacred divinity then became flesh, and that heart was given into us as a sacred humanity. We worship his sacred humanity. But from that sacred heart comes what? The precious blood. That's the second great devotion. The precious blood is everything. The precious blood poured upon, that's why I pray every morning that the precious blood be poured upon our province of Marians and upon all of you as the Marian helpers. The precious blood, one drop redeemed the world. The precious blood, the second great devotion. Now, where do we see both the sacred heart and the precious blood? Right here in the image of divine mercy, the third great devotion that encompasses the sacred heart and the precious blood. The sacred heart is bursting forth with the, the precious blood, and we see this on the image of divine mercy. Divine mercy brings that sacred heart where we learn God is love is then brought to the world, poured out upon the world. That precious blood or covers the whole world. Thus, we have divine mercy. Divine mercy, though, is not just a devotion. It's the message of the gospel. So divine mercy the third great devotion. And then it is all wrapped up and given to the world through the fourth great devotion, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the first Saturdays, which we'll be celebrating tomorrow. So you can, either, if you take all those thousands of devotions, and God bless if you have any particular one, I'm not saying that anyone I didn't mention isn't good. They are all good, all approved by the church. But those are the big four. And today we celebrate the Sacred Heart. Now, what I wanted to say about the Sacred Heart is I did a conference in Buffalo last weekend, and I, I discovered some new things working with Chris Sparks, our theologian, and with reading the Church Fathers that I didn't know, and I wanted to share with you. I want to share with you today. I mean, I've been to philosophy. I've been to Franciscan University. I attended, graduated from Holy Apostles Seminary. I, I went to Dominican House of Studies Seminary, and I never heard this. What I'm about to share with you regarding the heart of Jesus. But let's start with the Eucharistic miracles. Now, I did a talk on YouTube here as part of the Explaining the Faith series, which we do every Saturday. And we will have it tomorrow with Father Gabe. Um, but in it, I explained about these Eucharistic miracles. And I won't go through them all, but a recent one, or a more recent one, was in Buenos Aires in 1996. It involved Archbishop Bergoglio. 
and a host was found and they submitted it. But believe it or not, a gentleman who used to come here to our shrine, Dr. Gomez, a heart doctor, submitted the bleeding host to labs in New York City, three separate labs who all independently determined it was human blood and the host, the material was human heart tissue. Human heart tissue. Now, when they found this, they assembled a team of five scientists. I'm just going to briefly summarize this. I already gave a talk. If you'd like to see this talk, just type in Eucharistic Miracles and Father Chris Aylar on YouTube. It'll come up. A team, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but just to summarize that, a team of five scientists was assembled when they discovered this including this famous cardiologist and forensics pathologist, Dr. Frederick Zugby. He's authored many books on forensic pathology. Well, anyway, here's the conclusion. They didn't know what they had. Uh, Dr. Gomez didn't tell him he was sending them a consecrated host. And here's what they determined. The material is a fragment of human heart muscle. This is what the lab, independent secular labs, determined that that host in Buenos Aires, Argentina, in 1996 was. And it was the found to be human heart muscle found in the wall of the left ventricle. Now, what is that? This muscle is responsible for the contraction of the heart. Pumping, contracting, pumping. Now, it's... Interesting is, did you see that new Eucharistic miracle in July from Mexico? If you see it, I saw the video of it, I showed it in Buffalo. It's actually a pulsating heartbeat. The Eucharist is actually pulsating. It's beating like a human heart. And the, and the form of it, the doctors who looked at this said it is like a human heartbeat. Well, anyway, the left cardiac ventricle pumps blood to all parts of the body. It gives life to the body. The body without it has no life. So the heart muscle, they said, upon analyzing this sample, that this heart muscle was in an inflammatory condition. It was under stress. Our Lord's heart both during the Passion and today because of our sins is under stress. And it had, ironically, a many white blood cells, which was shocking to them because that indicated that the heart was alive when the sample was taken. White blood cells do not exist but a few minutes outside a living organism. This is mind-boggling. And so... Dr. Zugaby wrote, quote, it is my contention that the heart was alive because white blood cells die outside a living organism. So he's asking, where the heck did you get this sample? Was it somebody murdered? Yes, it was. Our Lord. So the white blood cells, he said, actually penetrated the tissue, which indicates that the heart had been under severe stress, right? As if the owner of the heart had be, been beaten severely about the chest. That's what happened to our Lord. So this is fascinating. And so then they started doing other studies and all the studies of these Eucharistic miracles that they've sent 
have revealed that the tissue found in them corresponds to this muscle of the heart, the myocardium. Now, here's what I found in the church fathers. The church fathers say that the prayer, Jesus Christ, make my heart like unto thine is a real prayer, not symbolic. Why? As well, when we say at Mass, what do I say at Mass when I say the Lord be with you at the preface? And you say, and with your spirit, what do I say? Lift up your hearts. What do you say? We lift them up to the Lord. That is a mutual exchange. You're giving Jesus your broken heart. You're giving him your wound, your, 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 your sinful heart. You're making a trade in. It's like you're going to the car dealership and you're giving your old beat down, broken, what do you call it, dilapidated or dilapidated, I can't even think of it right now. And you get a brand new shiny one. So you're, we lift our hearts up to the Lord is saying, here, Lord, take my wounded, broken, ugly, sinful heart. And what does the Lord do? He gives you his heart in Holy Communion. Not figuratively, literally. In the sample that came to, the, to, the, to the, the labs and the scientists, this is literally human heart tissue. Now, and not in the accidents, if you put it under a microscope, you're going to see in our Holy Communion, bread and wine, but the substance is the heart of Jesus. The body, blood, soul, and divinity. And so when we say it, it's a mutual exchange. I give you my heart, Lord, because my heart is broken, and he gives you his brand new, beautiful heart. This is amazing. You know, scientific testing of other miracles show that the blood is always the same. What is the blood type in every Eucharistic miracle? A, B. Now, within AB, you have AB positive and AB negative. Now, AB blood, all of the Eucharistic miracles, all of them have been determined to be AB positive. Guess what that is? Everybody says universal donor. It's not. It's actually the universal receiver. And I'll explain that in a minute. But these reports, and there are many reports, that the blood taken, even from weeping statues of Mary... Mary's had weeping statues that also had blood, always AB. Now, here's what's interesting. The percentage of the population that has AB blood in the United States is very small, very small. But remember, the blood type in ancient Palestine in the first century, especially among the Jews, was very common to be AB positive. This is very probable that was Jesus's blood type. Now, remember, too, blood types were only discovered in the earliest 20th century. Now, here's what's fascinating. Most Eucharistic miracles happened well before that. So if they didn't even know about blood type, how did they possibly get everyone to have AB positive blood? They didn't even know about AB positive blood. So this couldn't be a hoax. Well, guess what, everybody, in the year 700 at Lanciano, we're going to make sure that it has AB-positive blood. They didn't even know about blood type back then. 
Yet every single miracle that has been tested is shown to have had AB positive blood. Mind-boggling. It shouldn't, though, if we have faith. Anybody trying to forge them would have not even known about blood type and saying, therefore, we have to match every single one to pull this hoax off. The blood on the Shroud of Turin, AB positive. The blood on the Vale of Oviedo, AB positive. The blood in the Host of Lanciano, AB positive. Wow. And so this AB blood, especially AB blood, is the universal receiver rather than the universal donor. Why? Why would Jesus' blood be globally receptive rather than donating? He spilled his blood for us. He donated his blood for us. Why then the receiver? Okay, in the Eucharist, we receive. In the Eucharist, we commonly speak of receiving Christ in Holy Communion. Now, Father, we're not receiving the precious blood. It's okay. Because in the host is what? Body, blood, soul, and divinity. Even in just the host, concomitantly, you receive the blood. It's the body, blood, soul, and divinity in the host. It's body, blood, soul, and divinity concomitantly. The host in the blood and the blood in the host. It's there in the precious blood. But even if you don't receive physically the precious blood, you're receiving it in the host. Now, what is very interesting is that we talk about receiving Christ in Holy Communion. This is the precious blood. This means that anyone can take that blood type and make it their own. All of us can receive. Now, you got to be prepared. you got to be in a state of grace. But everybody can receive. This is why Christ is the universal receiver, because we become part of that. This means that we take it into us and make it part of us. But then something greater happens. This is why he's the receiver. Because what I just described, you might be saying, Father, that still sounds like he's a donor. And it is true. It sounds like that. But now listen to this. This comes from the church fathers. I never learned this. This is amazing. Then something greater happens. Yes, we receive him. But we become a part of him. His body receives us. This is why he's the universal receiver. Because not only do we receive him, and that's great, the church fathers tell us in an even greater way, he receives us into his heart. And so... We become part of him. When we, this is right from the church fathers, when we take communion, it is less about Christ becoming part of us, which I just described, how great is that? But the church fathers, when we take communion, it is less about Christ becoming part of us and more about us becoming part of him. That's why he's the receiver. He receives all of us. And by extension, we become part of his body, the church. This is why we need to receive Holy Communion. Even if you're watching us on live stream, and God bless you all, thank you. But you need to receive our Lord to your church. This is amazing. 
So he takes us, we, we become part of him, we become part of the sacred heart of Jesus, we become part of the body of Christ, the church. He receives us, that's why all his blood type is the universal receiver. We are taking up, this is Lumen Gentium 7. Lumen Gentium 7. We are taken up into communion with him and with one another. We become the body of Christ. He receives us. St. Irenaeus, our communicated flesh is not only nourished by Christ's body and blood, but it is also, in fact, a member of him. We become a member. This is why you are a member of the Marian family. We are part of the body of Christ. You are a member of the Association of Marian Helpers. You are a member of, of the Marian Father's family. You are a member of the body of Christ. Christ, as a universal recipient, he receives, that is, his precious blood is capable of receiving our stained blood. His heart is capable of receiving our stained heart. So you say, we lift our hearts up to the Lord. He says, beautiful, I will take it and give you literally my heart in Holy Communion. This is what God bless our Protestant brothers and sisters, but they don't have. Yes, they have the scriptures. Yes, they have the love of God. But this culminates right here. Christ, he took on the sins of the world so that no sinner is excluded from being taken up into his heart. He receives us, the universal receiver. You know, I can't think, on, on this being the ninth First Friday, which Jesus promised that if for nine consecutive First Fridays, you receive Holy Communion, or if you're bedridden or homebound, you make a spiritual communion, which Philip will read for nine consecutive Fridays. If you've been with us since the beginning of the year, you're now at number nine. And even if you aren't, start now. Because Jesus promises that those who do this will not be without the sacraments and the grace at the end of their life for salvation. That's not some magic hocus pocus. It's the reality of the sacred heart of Jesus, the precious blood, the divine mercy, and the immaculate heart of Mary. Those are the big four. You do those, you've got everything. Don't give up your other devotions, but those four and today we start with the Sacred Heart. God bless you all. And that's why we are Catholic. And that's why we want to share this with the world. Praise be to God now and forever. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you.
and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.